0: Hey everybody, you're listening to the High Sessions of a Podcast, where we talk about everything local and beyond. I'm your host, Johnny Masato, and joining me today is Mr. Devin Nicoba. Hey!
1: Devin is back! After oh my all god! And now Kyle is gone. And now Kyle is <laughs> gone. So we have to
0: explain. So sorry, sorry, uh, we, gotta, we gotta do some explanation because for the last three weeks, Devin was not here. Because of uh, you know various things, but the last two weeks was a COVID yeah. infection. How how are you feeling, my friend? I'm
1: I'm okay. Uh, I have a cough every once every I don't know, four or five hours, and then uh, you get a little sniffly. But other than that, like I, I'm good. Cardio is yeah. good. Yeah, I never I never experienced the the cardio problem or the fatigue problem. I mean, knock
2: on wood. So I mean, it it's great.
0: Yeah, so it's it's nice to have you back, and I'm, I'm glad you're you're healthy and and, and and better.
2: Yeah, I feel like everybody has a dance with anti-Rona, and then you come <laughs> back a little bit like more winded than yeah. your usual. Aww.
0: But uh you call um, Kyle? So Kyle, I guess, recently <laughs> was near someone who was infected, and so he decided he's, he wasn't going to come today. The thing
1: today. is, he's always near. Somebody. I know he's everybody's infected. always near. That's just kinda near how somebody. it is, man. Yeah. Life, life now is. Is all everybody being near someone who's had coronavirus. So, so I, I, catch I it.
0: we else? appreciate his concern for us all. I had it a month ago. So Devin just had it. So, yeah. uh, but he's thinking of our guest as well. So I, so we wish Kyle the best. Hopefully he feels fine and he'll be back next week after. He, and I'm
1: not moving from his chair.
0: Yeah. Devin took <laughs> over his seat. So uh, <laughs> sorry, Kyle. You, you move it, you lose it, yep, I guess. Yeah. Yep. yep. Okay. Before we begin, let me remind our listeners of the ways they can stay in touch with the show. There's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at High Sessions. You can go to SoundCloud, YouTube, and Apple Podcasts to download the podcast. And of course, you can email us at highsessions at yahoo.com. Got some good feedback on the Justin podcast. There are people who had very specific (laughs) uh, um, requests for that, so uh, thank you. We appreciate all feedback. If you'd like to help the show get more music on the channel, you can go to patreon.com, p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com, and donate. There you get more involved with the show and to help determine who and what is filmed uh I'd like to thank our sponsors we have kupu kupu landscaping landscape architects you can call kevin yokamura 808-722-8685 for a free estimate you Can go to kupu landscaping.com of course fort ruger market i had my chicken long rice bowl one of my staples today uh, that's
1: your go-to huh? that's
0: my go-to like if i if i can't decide i'll just eat that because it's good and it's one of those things like to me it's like w and m burger like i don't care how not hungry i am or hungry or what i, I can always eat a WNM burger it's a it's never you know there's certain things that's like ah that's too salty or that's too filling or that's mm-hmm. but a wm burger can always do it for me similarly with the chicken long rice bowl i can always eat that no matter how i'm how i'm feeling about food you i kind of got
1: an addiction to the um pork and peas
0: oh yeah uh, you said that was really good over there super
1: good <laughs> for, for me it's
2: the chicharrones.
1: Oh yeah. yeah, Chicharron is nice but too. Chicharron's good no. Yeah, yeah. There's always something you can find there that's gonna be good. Okay. And Bobby, we tried to get him to stay, but he wouldn't stay. Yeah. yeah. We that's tried right. super hard. <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs>
0: yeah. Okay. Uh you can go to Kumu ninety four point seven, listen to Kyle, highlifeclothing.com dot com to get mm. Kyle's designs. Seven. Oh, sorry. Because yeah, you say that, yeah. <laughs> and I was sitting like, Wait, what? Yeah, uh sorry. <laughs> right, wait, Kuma 94.7 listen to Devin yes and Sunway and Sunway mm-hmm. Highlifeclothing.com to find Kyle yeah and then you can find me at locations all right okay now with all that let me introduce yeah. our guest mr. Daniel Ikaika Ito thank you very much for coming on the podcast Mahalo. he is the, currently the mar- managing marketing manager of Kona brewery LLC so we'll talk about that in fact you know what um, can you do me a favor, Daniel? I'm gonna I'm gonna kill some time. Go grab a couple of the beers. Oh, for sure. And we'll bring them and put them in the front so people can see oh, some yeah, of the loggers. Yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. And so, um, but he has been all over the place. He's worked for various companies, mm-hmm. done a lot of journalism, a lot of writing. So we're going to mm-hmm. talk about that. It's funny because um, our friend of our show, our creator of the show, Dave Kusumoto, was at some time, some point, going to be a journalist as well. So ah. um, he talks about that a lot. Yeah, okay. So oh, let's do big, yeah. Yeah. big wave lager, yeah. So let's put one right in the front here so people see it. Oh, well, I didn't know anybody was
2: particular about rings. And of course yeah. he brought it and it's cold.
0: Yeah. It's cold, yeah, he brought it. So I was drinking one of these earlier. I'll probably be a little bit more talkative because of that. But um <laughs> It was really good, man. I'm not I'm as you know, I'm not much of a beer drinker, but it, it was tasty. It went down smooth. It wasn't uh yeah, it wasn't bitter. So um yeah, why don't we start there? Like, wh- when did you start with uh, Kona Brewery?
2: Literally, I started on June first, so I've been oh. there for three weeks. Oh my so, god! Oh my god! <laughs> so super fresh. But John, I was going to tell you this outside too. Can you, without this label, the way you can tell if um, anything is canned locally and it's brewed in Hawaii, are these ridges? So this oh. is kind of an old school uh, canning method that they do at Ball. But uh, if you didn't have this made in Hawaii, that's how you can kind of tell like you know, like our Hawaiian sons, they have the same ridges. Oh, Sometimes you'll see it on, like on a soda can. Yeah, I didn't even. And so that's how you can tell it's brewed locally. Um, Kona Brewing, Hawaii is independent from Kona Brewing Company, which is uh, the mainland. Yeah. And there's also yeah, 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 yeah. Kona Brewing, Brazil. So Kona Brewing, Brazil and Kona Brewing, Hawaii. We pay a licensing fee to Kona oh. Brewing Company in the mainland for use of the recipes and the marks. But uh, very proud that's, to say. That's hilarious.
1: Yeah. The Hawaiian company got to pay the guys on the mainland <laughs> with the Hawaiian name so they can use the Yeah.
2: Name. <laughs> and it all kind of came about where, um, or I'll, I'll get kind of in the weeds right here just about craft <laughs> brewing is um, uh, a few years back, Anheuser-Busch bought Kona Brewing. Under their uh, Craft Brewers Alliance CBA portfolio, and at a certain point, then the U.S. Justice Department steps in and was like, "Hey, A um, and B, that's not cool because you have a monopoly on beer sales right now. So you oh. guys gotta figure it out." Mm. So what they did was they split Kona Brewing Hawaii off into its own. It has its I own see. owners and uh, and investors. it's locally owned, right? Yeah. That, yeah okay. So that's then, um, yeah, independent craft brew brewed in hawaii so if you see the ridges then you know it was brewed in hawaii or a lot of them that you um will drink on giraffe were brewed over here um but if you go to some place like costco is a good example they have beer that's brewed on the mainland and a lot of that has to do with um the scalability of craft beer we just don't have the manpower yet to um get all the way up to capacity of what we could produce locally here and so um yeah, if anybody has a science degree and is looking for a job <laughs> in Kona, love to have you at the brewery. Well,
0: I remember back in uh, this is a kind of a tangent, but uh, back in the day, my friend wanted me to invest a bunch of money because there are something like that way down deep in the in the water off the Big Island, there are freshwater wells, mm-hmm. yeah. like under the water.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah. They pull it up and. Do a bunch of stuff. Now. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And so he said that there's only a couple of companies that have, are licensed to do mm-hmm. this, and this was one of the companies, and do I want to go in there? And, you know, it's big in Japan. Like, they like the what? Anyway, I didn't do it. But maybe maybe I, I would be mega rich right now if I did it.
2: But. Nah, I don't know. I think real estate, you're still going to see a better <laughs> uh, return uh, on investment. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But they're trying to grow Opehi over there. They grew lobster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and, and um, like
0: I did stop by a Abalone Farm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that was one that was pretty cool. So sustainable but, is good. Yeah, so, so so you're using the Kona water out there for this? What, yeah, it? well,
2: um, gosh, I, I should have looked at the stats before I got on here. But they use water that's from Kona, and I always joke around, because I'm from Hilo, and I say our water in Hilo is a lot tastier than Kona. <laughs> I don't know if you guys ever had tap water course, in Kona. Course, yeah, it's not yeah. as good as Hilo. Yeah. But, um, yeah, they'll use the water in Kona, and um, they'll recycle the water for other purposes because uh, in the brewing process, you need a lot of water, especially mm-hmm. to cool and heat things. And um, the brewery itself is a model for innovation and sustainability. Uh, it's really cool. I, I suggest going and taking a brewery tour. Yeah. I, you know, my last interview I had with the job, so they fly me to Kona. I, I'm in Kaimuki. That's why they fly me to Kona. Okay. And they started me off at like 10 in the morning, like, hey, you're going to go do a brewery tour. So I was like, Oh, okay, like, um, real cool. And then they're like, oh, at the end, they're sampling. So then, I, you know, I'm drinking the samples. And I even do this when I go to vineyards, too. Like, I don't waste it. So I, I, I'm I, drinking it all. probably all <laughs> like, <getting> tanked? <laughs> yeah, like, on, like you know, it was just the small ones. And I was probably on my third one. And, and it was just me on the tour. And then finally, I, I told the guy who's sampling. I was like, hey, you know why I'm here? And he's like, oh, yeah, you're uh, interviewing your." for a job i was like okay cool so i'm just not gonna drink these other two that you're gonna give me because they told me i gotta drink a beer at lunch so
0: it was like yeah uh-huh. no problem
2: so then i had a beer at lunch and then there was a Hana, and i was kind of like whoa this is the funnest job interview i ever had <laughs> and then the last thing they gave me was um this barley wine so if you're ever in hoi kai brew pub or kona brew pub yeah the barley wines, delicious. It's only a small little serving. I think like, probably like eight ounces, nine ounces. But it has like 11% ABV and I, I drank half of it. And then I was like, oh, <laughs> so it's kind of strong. So I cut myself off. I was like, hey, you know, I'm going to go to the airport early. I just caught out.
1: Miss your flight because you pass out.
2: Yeah, well, I wanted the job. That's why. Yeah, right, so I exactly. you know, I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to pump the brake. But what? Um, I was joking around with my boss. He's a VP of marketing, Eric Chang. I was like, oh, were they just testing me to see... How much I could yeah, drink and how I yeah. could handle it, and I guess I handled myself well because I did get the job
0: yeah you wanna you wanna participate right because you wanna you know be a fan of the product, but at the same time you don't wanna get overly uh in indulge uh, indulge yeah, yeah 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 right, and, and so John, you' you're,
1: you know what you're right
0: it's good right it's good i don't and i
1: honestly I don't drink beer mm-hmm um but yeah, this is—it's really smooth. Yeah, I'm watching this
2: whole thing because otherwise it's going to be a whole different kind of interview. But yeah, and then I—I I just want to be very transparent too that I, I drank one at lunch, but I'm going surfing after this, so I'm going to limit it to one. Yeah, yeah, go. yeah. There you go.
0: No, I mean I was sipping it like I would drink a, a guava juice or something like that, and mm. it wasn't—I didn't think twice about it. Like normally, if I'm sipping on a Bud Light or something, I'm like, I got this like bitter yeah. taste in my mouth yeah. after. But and as again, as a person
1: who doesn't drink beer, I can taste it I can taste the fact that it's beer but it's beer but it's still it's so smooth that you go oh oh, that's cool okay I gotta ask you where you matriculated from we got the we got the Hilo thing so um, born and raised Hilo actually I was
2: born at uh, Kapilani Medical Center and then my parents moved to Hilo when I was three Wow. And so my two younger brothers, um, they were born at Hilo Hospital. Hmm. Um, so I, I was raised in Hilo. I, I'm from um, this Ili called Abmai. My ohana's been there for... With my kids, it's seven recorded generations, so I'm pretty sure wow. we've wow. been there longer than that. And it's in uh, Papa Ecole which is, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. By the way, I'm Devin in. is from Big Island, too. Oh, no way. We'll yeah, my family's
1: all from Hilo, so oh, well, no, my, um, my dad uh, specifically from Pepe oh, yeah! Oh, we're, oh, oh we're, yeah. We're, yeah. yeah.
2: So, <laughs> so if you go down the scenic route, yeah. you know, there was an the old botanical gardens yeah. office that burnt down. Then there was that bluish grayish church right across the street with a red roof. My great-great-grandpa built that church, so my ohana oh. is all over there. Oh, wow. Yeah, I grew up in a very beautiful area that had a brackish water pond and a waterfall called Avavaloa. And so, yeah, very lucky that I got to call that home and I get to go back. Oh. Um, my kids, uh, we planted trees with their, um, their placenta so that oh. they would always be connected to that area. Yeah. So my son, Kiave he has a coconut tree in the back. And then my daughter, Healy, um, she has an ulu tree. And then wines, we call that your Ieve, you know, the the placenta. So it was a way to connect my kids to the Aina that I'm from because that's where their so, family's from. Okay,
1: because your last name is Ito. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where, where does the the Hawaiian thing come from? Because I really don't know. I mean, I, you know, this is the first time we met each other right we actually talked to each other.
2: So, so that's why I, I go by my middle name and I have my middle name in my byline just to mm. let people know I'm Hawaiian. But okay. um, my mom and dad, they're class of 72 Kamehameha. So they met at Kamehameha. Oh, okay. I had a full Japanese grandfather and full Chinese grandfather. So <laughs> oh, my dad wow. is Japanese, Korean, Hawaiian probably like that much of him is irish (laughs) and then my mom is uh chinese hawaiian and like maybe like her two fingers (laughs) so like i you know like i I barely have any caucasian um in my ethnic background but yeah yeah, i i I get hawaiian from both sides of the family it's my mom's side of the family though that um we grew up in a lot of my
1: no, well, I mean, it, it uh, it's definitely a part of you because when you speak about it, it's you know you can tell people who sort of yeah. had to learn it, and you can tell people who kind of grew up with it.
2: Right? Uh, thank you, Devin. Yeah, I, I was very blessed that I got to learn about Hawaiian culture by living it, and uh, we lived right next door to my grandma, my mom's mom. So I, I grew up yeah. next to her, and it was her piece of property that her grandma left her. That was this prime piece. Um, you know, kind of like uh, on the ocean, and uh, my grandma had twelve siblings, and she was her something, grandma's something favorite. Something about big island,
1: buddy. I'm gonna have yeah, so many yeah. kids.
2: And because my grandma was a favorite of her grandma, that's why we ended up with uh, such a prime oh, piece of property. Okay. And um,
1: so your parents, um, your your family is all from the uh, the sugarcane side. They yeah. Did
2: Okay. well yeah my mom's side of the family okay so they
1: all work they all worked at the the mill and then
2: i you know i don't think so my grand my great-great-grandma she was the last kahuna ana ana in our family and so she was the the owner of the property that they were uh, farming farming cane on so
1: because that whole you know that whole area um pipa kale, papaya Cole, all that i mean went through such a hard time when sugar went down mm-hmm. it was people were subsistence hunting mm-hmm. to try to survive and stuff. And I know that things have come up since then. People have kind of filtered back into there or just stayed there and just figured out how to get it mm-hmm, done. Mm-hmm. But the fact that your parents decided, no, you know, this is where we're going to stay. This is how we're going to raise our kids. Uh, that's that's actually really impressive.
2: Yeah, I think it had to do with uh, my dad is a land surveyor. He learned that trade from my mom's dad. So his father-in-law, my grandpa, he was a land surveyor for... Um, US Army Corps engineers and so uh, my dad and my mom were high school sweethearts and I think my grandpa liked my dad enough to teach him a trade oh, just nice. so he wouldn't be a knucklehead and <laughs> he was going to marry his daughter and so uh, and my dad loves land surveying my two younger brothers they still land survey with my dad and my dad's like Retired, but he still works. And, uh...
0: I got a question about because I, I did watch a video of you talking about that about how your dad took you land surveying. You didn't like it, and you know all that kind of. I always thought because I I see them around because I'm in the real estate business and so mm-hmm. I see them doing the surveys. sometime I always thought like that's it seems like a pretty cool job. You're outside. Granted, it might be hot, but you know for the most part you're standing there doing some calculations and putting pegs in the ground and stuff. But what what is the downside? What is the part that you hated? John, you only work with dudes.
2: Wow! Why would you ever <laughs> want a job oh, that you I just see. work with like dudes all the time? No, I mean seriously. Have you ever through the grass and stuff? Yeah, right? um, I think just uh, the way that my mind works. I, I'm I was a journalism major. I love reading. I love stories. Hmm. I love history and always struggled in math and mm. land surveying based on trigonometry and so
1: oh my god
2: i think um <laughs> you know a, a lot of times like um like my dad and my little brothers they can they can look on the ground they can tell you that's like one tenth of an inch or two tenths of an inch oh, in and so like wow. when you have the rod you know and you see see the there's usually like a rodman and, and then there's the other surveyor that's on the gun or that tripod the rodman has a radio, and he's being told, or she's being told, you know, where to move the rod to get to the exact point. And, like, for the life of me, it was, like, the hardest thing. And so, to this day, like, I'm an okay judge when it comes to wave height, and that's from surfing. Mm-hmm. But, um, and this still bums out my dad. It bums out my wife all the time. <laughs> is, I got a terrible sense of direction. Like, I, I, there's one way I know how to get to everything, and I will always – take that way even though do, do
0: you mix up numbers a bit Everyone's yeah sometimes like, you may be minorly dyslexic yeah yeah, especially like phone way. numbers too yep. like I have oh, a hard time with, so
2: I, I think just for that sheer fact that's why I never really gravitate I'm to the exact it, same
0: right? way I cannot find my way around anywhere that's why I love Apple Maps and stuff mm-hmm. because, and, and I will go the same route every single time even if it's longer because I'll get lost I'll get turned into the and my wife gets on my case about it because she's the opposite mm-hmm. you know so, yeah, and yeah. I did have a client once, and he said that dyslexic people have a hard time with directions because they get, you know, it's like, red. Right, I don't know, whenever it's Are a dif- you dyslexic? Is that what you're trying well, I'm to I'm saying say? maybe yeah. I have a t- tad, like, a dyslexic, <laughs> no. I, I'm not
1: dyslexic, <laughs> dyslexic
0: I'm trying to give myself an excuse for why I get lost all the time, yeah, and I, I guess dis- says
1: I'm dyslexic. Or, like, when it, it whenever,
0: is. I always joke because whenever I show condos, you know, you get out of the elevator and you can go right or left, and, like you would think it's 50 50 right mm-hmm. you're gonna go the right way i'm like 80 20 i go the wrong way the first time <laughs> oh we're all that. We you know
2: okay so where did you go to high school uh, i went to school i went to kamehameha kapalama so i was oh, like okay. to tell people i moved ah. out of my parents house when i was 11. oh so you boarded Yeah, <laughs> i was a boarder in oh, 7th okay. grade and i'm late born so you know technically i went early <laughs> i will going tell you a story too about my dad and so my dad he's a he was a boarding student so I would see the way my dad and my mom party with their classmates and how close they were. And mm, I, was, yeah. I was like, hey, you know. Okay. Bed, they,
0: they stay close. Yeah. A long, Very long. much so. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I want I want to be like that. You know, I want to be like my parents that way. And so my dad took me to Kamehameha. And my dad's always on time, always a little bit early, in fact. And so we were on School Street. And it used to be a Chevron. I think it's a, it's a Texaco now. Mm-hmm. And he's gonna drop me off up in campus, so he's filling up the rental car, the gas tank, and I forget what happened. But he went inside, I went inside, and I, I I'm just like a hilo boy. So I'm like, oh, okay, you gotta lock the door everywhere you leave, you know, oh, on Oahu. Yeah. Like gotta yeah. make sure the door is locked. Yeah. And uh, my dad left the keys in the car, but I locked the door, and oh. so um, he locks, you know. So the the car is locked. I feel super bad had to get the rental car company to call like a pop and lock guy so by the time i got up to come uh, everybody already unpacked their stuff and they go to orientation for day school so i had to change real quick and at the time it was dress code so a college shirt pants shoes and my dad had to stay there and unpack all my stuff by the time i'm done with orientation and get back like my dad's got to go and fly and, and catch a flight so like i said bye for maybe like 10 minutes i'm still kind of in shell shock yeah, about what's yeah. going on, you know, and then um, and then he left, and I had to change into like casual clothes. And luckily, I had two friends who um, were from my elementary school, so I, I knew people oh, okay already. By the same time, like that's when it hit me. I remember opening up my closet and like trying to find where my clothes were because my dad unpacked everything, <laughs> and then like my mom gave me a gift, and. I think when you're, you know, 6th grade or 7th grade, you know, you're still kind of like like you still play video games, you uh, still like toys yeah, and stuff yeah. and it was like this Jurassic Park like dinosaur, this Tyrannosaurus Rex and then I was just like I I I remember opening it, looking at it and then just like it all hit me and I was just so bummed mm. because then I, I finally realized that I was on my own, you know, yeah, I like yeah. my parents were and then yeah i I think you you eventually get over it like for me i think it took like about four weeks and then you know i would still go home and i would come back and i would be um bummed like at at a certain point because i want to stay home but i think after a while i just got really used to like being away from home and Mm. i think like, what do you mean, wash dishes? Yeah, mm-hmm. no. Well, I actually, actually, you know the wrong what? I, I'm super good when it comes to washing dishes. <laughs> I do laundry better than my wife. <laughs> I iron really well because we had JRTC at Commando. Oh, right. But um, like, I, I would even like tell my wife sometimes when we were first married. I was like, you know, like to be honest, I'm like, kind of weird about just being around a family because I was always used to just being around my friends, and yeah. that's how I was for a long time. But I thought it was. Um, great training for eventually um i pursued journalism Mm -hmm. and just having to be independent and resourceful you know and like john i'm like you you know i get lost but i'll use the navigation and i know how to read a map really well Mm -hmm. and because i was a boarding student i usually have a friend on -hmm. every island if Mm -hmm, not more so like i'm one of those guys that will just like call it go (laughs) Bruh. Hey, but how did I get over <laughs> here? Like, uh, what I don't doing recognize right anything now, I'm yeah. looking at right now. Where do
1: I gotta
2: go? Nah, you walk me through this real fast.
1: <laughs> okay, so you finished coming out. Um, what year did you graduate? I graduated in
2: 1999, so I was there during the Broken Trust series. Oh wow! So that oh, was that's right. Yeah, that was really um, eye-opening for me as a young kid, seeing what the power of the media was, and um, at the time, you know, this is. I mean the internet's there, but yeah. we're not on. Yeah, the it's Internet. nowhere near. Yeah, we're yeah. not doing the Google um, thing. Yeah, you know, I think my fir- I got my first cell phone when I was at yeah I was like a freshman in college, like two thousand. So you know, mm-hmm. this is like pre cell phone days. But um, that's what really got me hooked on reading newspapers. Mm. And I, ah. I the Star Bulletin because the Star Bulletin is the one that broke the, si- uh, the the story series, and then Surf magazines and. Uh, i'm a surfer and that's the way i would keep up my surf soak i had a really cool dorm advisor named chemo middlesworth um and he was a surfer and he trained pro surfers um like fitness wise and so sometimes you come back to the dorm because you forgot something and there would be like sunny garcia <laughs>
0: wow. kalani
2: rob tony moniz eric barton and they were just shooting pool in the lounge so those were like really Whoa. cool my wife would have been sick. hanging out there
0: yeah <laughs> trying to get up a- Shout out Kalani Rob. Yeah. <laughs> Funny, I just
2: I just connected with Kalani too when I was back in California with the Camembert Surf Team, and he came and surfed with um, the kids I was coaching. It was so cool, and, and just the guy, like even though he's kind of like salt and pepper hair, he's like still like the same Kalani oh, yeah? Rob, yeah, mm-hmm. the way he talks, high energy. But, wait
1: now, Big Island. Where do you get the surfing thing? Cause I was gonna say, where do you surf out there? Yeah, but it, Hilo, I know there's not a lot of
2: breaks. Yeah. I mean, Honolul is my home break. Oh, okay. So Honolul, um, my two younger brothers was uh, Papa Iko Mill or Papai Mill. Okay. And um, I was a longboarder in the 90s. Bonga Perkins was my hero. Banga? Yeah, oh, but Banga. Banga is still my hero. Actually, I, yeah. mean, I should say it. that's yeah. like the glory days of hawaiian style yeah. and motion yeah, right. and kohala yeah. aloha shirts too, at the which is time.
0: why we needed kyle here but i you know, know yeah yeah bonga perkins man he was I, I just loved him because he i used to longboard and he used to just rip on the longboard mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. everyone else would be shortboarding be out there just <laughs> rushing
2: yeah I, I got to meet bonga when i was a junior so my dorm advisor would have this thing called surf nights all the boarders um, we would get together in the, the dining hall, and then he would have all these pro surfers come, and they wow. would play like charades and board games with you. And then we would watch surf videos, and then um, you know they would sign autographs. And everybody knew like Bonga was my hero, and so then that's when they introduced me to Bonga, and they were like, "Hey, yeah, why don't you like eat dinner with him?" And I, I remember just kind of like turning around <laughs> my chair and like sharing and telling my girlfriend, "I was like, oh my
0: god, that's Bonga
2: Perkins, <laughs> like tripping out." And uh, that's I, a. That's a
0: unusual experience for a, a high schooler to be yeah. able to do that. Mm-hmm. Like you had your own like surf camp Yeah at school.
2: And I think um, you know, throughout my life and career I've been very lucky. Anybody who I kinda identified as somebody as being my hero, I got to meet. Nice. Mm-hmm. And Bonga's the man and I, I'm happy I get to call Bonga a friend, I drink a beer with him when I see him, you know. But there were others like um you know, like Andy Irons or like Anthony Bourdain and other other guys who I really looked up to the mad and
0: but well, journalism Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and it, it's just
2: kind of weird sometimes when you you meet your hero and you have this um, This image of them and then later on that they have a very tragic way of passing mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, know, yeah. I guess that's part of growing up. They said
1: mm-hmm. yeah. um, so, And then okay, so sorry Uh. High school and then college, where did you end up going?
2: College, I went to UH right out of Kamehameha. Yeah. Did not do very well because I just wanted to surf. Did <laughs> not take it very seriously. <laughs> uh, went to a couple semesters of KCC. And then at that point, my mom's like, hey, you should just join the military. You know, you like to be in the ocean and you want to travel, just join the military. Maybe. Yeah, you Navy. Like, I was to like be in
1: the ocean so join <laughs> like, them I
2: mean I get it though because my mom's dad was a career army guy right? Oh, so like okay. I get it I was like no I want to be the first Native Hawaiian editor of a surf magazine and at the time my best friend Pono Campbell he was going to the University of San Diego so I went and visited him in San Diego for spring break went down to Rosarito uh-huh. had so much fun And all these pretty howling girls. And i was like, yes, this is where I want to be. And so then I I come back and I tell my mom and dad. I'm like, hey, yeah, I want to go to San Diego. I'll go to a junior college, San Diego Mesa College. And then I want to work at one of the surf magazines. And I I mean, at the time, that was just a story. I was telling my parents. Like, all I wanted to do was go hang out with my friend and surf someplace else, you know? (laughs) But um, I think... Just being able to verbalize a goal and, and say to a lot of people, hey, this is what I'm going to do, mm-hmm. was really good because then it made it um, – I, I guess I ha- I was dedicated at that you point. You spoke it you into know? existence, Yeah, and, and to manifest it. And then um, what ended up happening was my mom was like, okay, if you want to go, then you have to earn some money to go. And what I want you to do, you got to go work with dad. And oh. then you come and work – at Liberty House at night, because at the time I was working retail jobs. So like, Mm -hmm. worked HIC, I worked Liberty House, Kailua. I just dated myself when I said Liberty House. (laughs) It's okay, it's okay. Yeah, for you kids who don't know what Liberty House is, it came before Macy's. It's now Macy's. (laughs) And it was way sicker than what Macy's is. Like Liberty House was awesome. And my mom worked at Liberty House from when, she was like a junior in high school all the way up into her 50s. And so I would land survey with my dad, Right after we get off at, like, maybe 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, then I would go charge to Liberty House and work uh, the closing shift from, like, wow. about 5 wow. o'clock. Well, that probably like made nine. you a
0: little bit more uh, serious about your schooling, right? Because you had to pay for it.
2: Totally. And I think they were testing me to see what my dedication mm. was. Um, but that was a great experience in itself because, I mean, I think it it gave me this work ethic that I've used – throughout my career, and I always feel that if I really want something and I really want to do it, I know I can get up early and stay up late to work, and Mm -hmm. I've always told people that I think it's one thing to be talented, but I think it's another thing if you have a strong work ethic and you can just Mm outgrind the competition, and that's a a lot of the ways I found success.
0: Yeah, you'd be surprised, man. People don't want to work mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, not nowadays at least yeah, yeah so sure. you
2: know like I, I'm at Mesa right I'm at the junior college and um, I had a Holly girlfriend and I, I wanted to stay in the mainland during the <laughs> summer so I'm writing for my school paper and then on a whim I applied for an internship with surfer magazine um, they had they didn't have any internships left but they uh, pushed me to surfing magazine which is a sister publication And that was a pivotal point in my career. Mm. Because when I went to Surfing Magazine, I had real life experience, really good mentors, and Mm. Evan Slater, who's the VP of marketing for Billabong now. Nathan Myers, Matt Walker. And um, yeah, I spent my summer and then two more um, semesters interning for Surfing Magazine, and then on a whim, I came back to Hawaii. At the time, the surf contest season, you had the Triple Crown, which was basically November, December, and in October, you had like the precursor, which was usually the XL Pro. Then in the back half, there would be um, another round of contests on the North Shore. So I, I remember coming back January 2005, and Surfing Magazine, I would only get paid for the articles that were gonna be in print. Mm. and. Wow. Uh, came back, stayed with my cousin, covered those contests, took a break from school, and then um, I just reached out to FreeSurf Magazine, which was uh, Mike Latronics, the publisher, still of this day, and uh, sent him my clip file, and there was no other, I think I was like 22 or 23 at the time, there was no other kid you know, in their early 20s. I was, was a local boy, I was native Hawaiian, they had the same type of experience when it came to um, surf media, and plus so, you know
1: all the plus you know all these surfers like yeah by I, name <laughs> you know them right.
2: So it, I mean that helped, and that's how um, I ended up quitting school and then becoming editor of Free Surf Magazine. Wow. And yeah. I think I was making twenty four thousand dollars a year, and I thought I made it at that time. Mm-hmm. I had a business card, of course. And, yeah, uh, medical and dental. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is it. I, I reached my my pinnacle of my career at such an early age. And um, that was super fun. Such good years. Like, I, I held that chair for two years and eventually just got burnt out from writing about surfing all the time. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, I was going to say, you know, now that you're doing marketing for Kona Brewing, Um and you have this journalism background, which I'm, I'm sure t- can tie into marketing, right? Because journalism, you're telling a story, marketing, you're telling the story, but it's gone from a lot of print media, a lot of writing to digital now, right? So it's a lot of photography, videography and stuff. Do you incorporate that now into your marketing or do you find um, your journalism helps you in that way? What?
2: For sure, I think the visuals Are essential especially when you consider any digital media platform but one thing that I always go back to is just I'm a good communicator I'm a good writer and um, even had a former boss of mine Kevin Yim when I was at Zippy's he said you gotta be really good at drawing or you got to be really good at writing any of those two and then you can make it in business you know and so Hmm. Um, I think if you're you know, skewed more towards drawing, you end up like a graphic designer, or a photographer, videographer. For myself, that came from print journalism, I'm very comfortable articulating the story of a brand, or I'm very comfortable just speaking to somebody else, and I think that's what's always been my, my strong suit, is uh, being a strong communicator, and being able to take somebody's idea and go, okay, you know what, hey, like I like the idea, okay, this is how we're going to present it, this is the perspective that we ideally want and these are the resources that we're going to use to really tell that story. And so I think as a marketer now, it's something I still rely upon heavily is my ability to communicate. But through oh gosh i'm gonna age myself again (laughs) through you know like my 20 something (laughs) years of of uh my professional career i've just built up a network to the point from being a good communicator it's easy for an organization to say hey we have this challenge and for me to go oh wait you know what um i actually know the owner of that company let me just give him a call right Mm, now and then i have this um body of work that always can be presented before myself so that Mm -hmm. they know that um i'm going to conduct myself very professionally efficiently and that i'm legit i'm not just uh trying to sell you you know the next widget yeah
1: Yeah. so um okay two years at a surf magazine you spent some time uh where now because it seems like you have kind of a varied bunch of experience like well, oh i always done... joke
2: around with people if you don't make me the vp of marketing in two years i'm gonna leave and go find another company <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's not like that it's more like i've always been at a place and then somebody comes to me with a, yeah. a opportunity that allows me to level up and i think that has to do with like i said earlier you know having a strong body of work from wherever i was so um free surf magazine and Powell. This is like October 2007. Went back to school to finish my bachelor's degree. So I received my bachelor's from UH Manoa. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I was covering surfing for surfing magazine from where I started as a contributing writer. Um, at the time it was the Star Bulletin. and Good thing I, I ended up on the Star <laughs> Bulletin side because I right, eventually yeah. became the Star Advertiser. And ESPN. And then I was working as a public and media relations assistant for the Triple Crown of Surfing. Wow. Okay. So like my professor at UH would say this was unethical. At the same time, I would always tell my professor, I'm like, well, you don't know what it's like in the field anymore because you've been out of it. Mm-hmm. And this is right during the, uh, the recession and the real estate crisis. So, mm-hmm. it, you know, it was really hard to find a full time gig mm-hmm. in the surf industry at the time. So like I had to piece together... Four different jobs to have a full time salary, and I'm a full time student at the same time. So like I used to always joke around that I'd triple triple dip the triple crown. <laughs> <laughs> and when the triple crown was going, I get, I was just so ma to surf contest was I would go from like about seven o'clock to about four o'clock. I would uh, be taking media around, or I would be interviewing surfers, and at the same time I'm using this is like the first iPhone and recording my interviews while I'm also you know, recording on a camera because it's gonna be used for a video news mm-hmm. release. Wow. Right after four o'clock, I would pound out a story for the Star Bulletin mm. from about like 4, 4.45. And if I had enough time and I wasn't tired, I would go ahead and surf someplace for me about an hour, hour 15 minutes, and then go back to, us uh, living in a little studio in Wailua. And I would go um, Polokai Bakery because it was like the oh, the yeah. baked goods were like fifty yeah. percent off. Yeah. Then <laughs> so that's that puffies w- man. Yeah, that would be my dinner: that <laughs> a tall boy, a musubi, <laughs> and like a couple pieces of fried chicken. And then I would pound out another story for ESPN that would focus more on uh, you know surfers that were coming from California, not just the Hawaiians that would. Uh, cover for the newspaper mm. and i'm gonna sleep at 10 o'clock into it all over again the next day and my Dude. my teachers were real cool because they knew i was working yeah. so i didn't need to be in class all the time you doing um,
1: real you were doing real world stuff so, yeah and, yeah and, and a
2: lot of uh the articles i wrote i turned them in as assignments and yeah. mm. i would oh, not <laughs> smart yeah i would <laughs> not suggest that anybody else like having that schedule like <laughs> I could just do that for two years because, like, oh. I'm in my mid to late 20s at this right. point. You know, yeah. I'm an older student.
1: Yeah.
2: and uh, I No kids yet, right? No kids yet. No wife, even? No wife, yeah. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, Not change. even, like,
2: one girlfriend. Things change. Things change, like, yeah. yeah it's a lot of juggling. <laughs> like, and driving, like, the lousiest Ford Ranger by that point, I didn't care. You know, it didn't matter. Yeah, 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 I had super good surfboards. Right. And, um I was working in the profession that I loved, and then I knew I was leveling up by going back to school. And I think the best thing that I got from UH was you had to learn how to edit video because they had a broadcast Mm -hmm. journalism class. And so, you know, that's something that I still use today. Where when you were asking John, you know, how do I use my experience with all these new forms of media? Although you don't use the same platform or the same program that I use when I edit, I know how to talk to a videographer. I know how to talk to an editor. Right. And, and right. be a lot more efficient about giving feedback and what we're really trying to hone in with the story. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's if you can at
0: least understand the mechanics of whatever is going on, it, it makes a world of difference. Mm-hmm. And your value goes up a lot. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, yeah. I was also interested too because uh, I'm a journalism minor. Uh, so I didn't know that. I got degree in pr and then when well, i went natural. to when i went to college they had no idea what the hell a pr degree was they just went hey, we'll give you a pr degree so you get the pr degree and then through the course of doing that they're like well if you just take this one other class and you get the journalism minor and i went shoots <laughs> so i ended up with a journalism minor but the thing that i've um, i've always been interested in is um for me writing has always been my voice like i can't Help it. Mm-hmm. I I write stuff, and I would always get busted because if you're working in a hard news situation, or uh, I worked for Board of Water Supply, and so we would have to do press releases. Mm-hmm. So I do a press release. I send it to my boss, and it would come back just bloody, just red because she's like, "I hear you speaking to me when you're mm-hmm. talking." So my question for you would be, you know, having to write for so many different things, the Star uh, a Star Bulletin, um, you know, the surf magazines and stuff like that. How did you manage to keep your voice, sort of your voice, while also giving them enough information that, you know what I mean, that it it made sense to them? Because sometimes if, you, if you're writing too much in your own voice, they go, ah, I can't use this, because then it becomes more of an editorial than it is, right,
2: mm-hmm. something that... I think what I did a lot early in my career is, I like to read, and my all-time favorite author, still to this day, is Tom Robbins, and Tom yeah. Robbins was, from the south a Caucasian guy had a um, military background and I love his voice he was a master of the one-word sentences huh? and, and so when it would be certain publications I knew I could get away with that style of writing I would do it especially if it was a national publication hmm. when it came to more of a local publication I, I would not give up, but I would just lean more heavily on the cultural side and, and would try to put things in um, a Hawaiian perspective. And, and I would say that's probably where my strength is. And, and it still kind of weirds me out to, the, to this day when I have classmates who I want to come and met with. And, you know, I know they're more Hawaiian than me. And they're like, oh, well, you know, you're um, – a cultural practitioner or, you know the cultural culture so well and and I'm like oh like <laughs> li'i li'i <laughs> but thank you for thinking that but I, that's the way that I've always been able to shift gears is sometimes I feel like I'm more you're modern you're writing to your
0: audience yeah, yeah. and then
2: sometimes I, I, I'm more like and I feel comfortable writing that's like remarkable
1: that's a, you know not a lot of people can do that yeah. can change their voice from, from moment to moment I, from I'm just sitting here
0: thinking man it's a good thing I can play the guitar because yeah. I can't draw or write like I'm yeah. horrible at both so I, I, I fell in that middle spot
2: that- I wish I could play a guitar John <laughs> yeah. you should see how many crappy poems I wrote <laughs> <laughs> like press girls
1: so you're uh, y- how long have you been married now
2: I've been married we got married in 2015 okay. and my okay. wife and I have been together for 10 years oh wow I'll tell you a funny story too is so my wife Kahina she was going to University of San Diego and I'm at the junior college, and uh, it was like maybe like one or two weeks. I, we, I just got there, and she's a 2001 grad, so she just got there too. Um, she graduated from Commitment as well. Yeah, oh, we didn't okay. even know each other at Kamehameha. Oh,
1: you're kidding me!
2: Nah, and, and then my father-in-law and my parents—they're class of '72. They're classmates. They knew each other even before we did. Oh my goodness! And um, so I, I'm there with one of my best friends, this guy Jerry Chang, and we're at you know Hawaii parties because the Hawaii people they all party mm-hmm. together, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah and um, she comes walking up and my wife has green eyes, red hair, and kind of fair skin and says hi to Jared. And at first I was like, oh, who's this? like firing redhead. And she says, hi to Jared. She walks by and I was like, wow, who's that? And he's like, oh, that's Kahina. I was like, what? she got a Hawaiian name. He's like, oh yeah, she went to Kamehameha. That's Everett's girlfriend. I was well, like, what? I was like, introduce <laughs> me. And he's like, oh, that's Everett's girlfriend. I was like, I heard that part. I just introduced me. And, um, yeah, we met like in 2001, but we didn't end up dating until like 2011, 2012. Wow. Oh, wow. That's a no long kidding game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we knew each other for a long time. We were friends. And uh at that point in 2011, I was still freelancing, and I owned a magazine called Contrast. And I started with uh, six of my friends. Seven of us were local boys, and we were too dumb in business to know that... <laughs> You shouldn't print a magazine in Hawaii because oh, of how expensive yeah. it is. Oh. And I mean, thank God we're still friends to this day. <laughs> she never started a business with like seven partners. Yeah, that's hard. That's hard. Anyway, so like we're we're in uh, Chinatown around Hotel Street and I saw my wife from far away and I told my friend Kuha'o, that's Six Zain son. I was like, hey, KZ, I've been trying to hit on this girl for like 10 years, bro. <laughs> she's with her friend over there that dances hula. Just occupy the friend for me. And I'm just going to go over there. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I got you. And oh, so, that's a good
0: friend. Yeah, man.
2: yeah. He was at my wedding party too. <laughs> occupy the friend. Occupy I like the that. Friend. I like okay.
0: that. That's a good That's a and good.
2: And that's how, that's how it all started. Huh? That's how it all started. We have got two kids, yeah. And, and
1: she's, uh, does she write as well? or No,
2: she's an accountant. That was oh. the smartest business move yeah. i ever made to yes. marrying a competent. Yeah. And yeah. I would say for everybody, you know, like if you're not married yet or you're thinking of, you know, forming a business or uh you know, like even when you're hiring for a team, like I'm always about I like to work with people or I like to partner with somebody who has the opposite uh, strengths that uh, I do. Oh, yeah. You know, to yeah not only accommodate for my weaknesses, but I feel like you're that much better and you're kind of that that yin and yang as a team. Mm,
1: for sure, yeah. I like that. Especially because if you really suck at counting, mm-hmm. uh, it's also helpful when you're having a balanced checkbook. Oh, you totally, just go, yeah. You just go,
2: babe, Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. When people ask if I can do something, I go, oh, let me check with my CFO. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, last question before the last question. Okay. Uh, so, We'll try to get through Devon and I will try to get through this. But uh, so, what is the status of surfing today? It seems like it's mm. huge, it's blown up. Is it still? Um, I know that Hawaii still has a lot of dominance in that field, but is it? Uh, it's a worldwide phenomenon now. How how are things going? I haven't I haven't been keeping up with the competitions and the the sport in general. You know, since since a while ago. So.
2: I think the status of surfing today is at an all time high, and what that really amounts to is the amount of exposure surfing got to a mainstream audience through the Olympics. And Mm. then when you also start to think about the uh, popularity of wave pools and being able to open up surfing to a a landlocked uh, audience, then that's the game changer. And so, you know, surfing has gone through these population booms throughout modern history, um, one of them they attributed to was the movie Gidget, another one mm. they attributed to was uh, the movie Blue Crush. This third mm. population boom. Not, not North Shore? I was going to say, mean, come on, we, we man. skipped over <laughs> one of the greatest movies that has ever been made. Mm-hmm.
0: A classic in every way. <laughs> I mean, the oh, yeah. appeals. come on. North Shore. Yeah. yeah. I showed it to my children. I'm sure you have as well. No, not yet. Oh, I, they're I, little, I, yeah, they're well little. my kids
2: are young. It's kinda of racy content, especially yeah, where and it's and like, fast
0: forward to the roofing part. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. But you stole this stuff, you pound them. out. <laughs> I don't want my son <laughs> saying that in preschool. But okay, um so like, this
0: third this third wave Yeah, the, this out.
2: third population boom, I, I really see it's gonna come from the wave pools. And I think what the wave pools are also gonna do is it's gonna change the way that we as consumers uh, buy surfboards because the wave pool lacks the same salinity that the ocean does, right? So, ah. you, you you know, the polyurethane board, while, while it works, it's actually better if you ride like a epoxy or EPS. And because wait, wait, you don't no. have a reef or anything, you, you lack some of the same momentum or push that you would have from the ocean. So, you know, an alternative fins up like a twin fin or a quad might be better. Uh, w-
0: w- mm. what, why all of a sudden are wave pools possible? That they weren't possible before. Is it just uh engineering has gotten better? To
2: I I to think so. I think the engineering has gotten better, but like um, I think Kelly Slater and the Surf Ranch yeah, really right. revolutionized right. I was gonna ask, it. I was
1: going to ask you about that because I saw that on Real Sports where they said, "There's mm-hmm. Kelly Slater and he's building this thing out in the middle right. of nowhere," and then you just see these waves, and I went, "Wait, what?" Yeah, it's I I amazing. really wish
2: like Brian Gumpel said that one up too, where it was like. The way I explain it to people who don't surf I'm like imagine if Michael Jordan made the best basketball court ever yeah. and then he sold it back to the NBA like that's what Kelly Slater did to me that's what makes it so incredible was that he invested so much money into building it and it's amazing and was like hey you know what? I'm gonna cash out let me sell it back to the governing body of surfing that I still compete under mm. and to your point, John, I think, yeah, engineering got better and the technology got better, but wave pools have always been around. Well, I
0: mean, I mean but usually- in, in North Shore, like- yeah, back yeah. to North Shore. Yeah. You know, Rick came from, from wave pool competition. Mm-hmm. You know. Japan
2: used to have a really good one too. I think we've gotten a lot more efficient about the way that um, we use water in wave pools than before. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, it's not as big a, a drain on your resources as it used to be, but I mean, it's still, Super expensive. I'd like commitment schools to build a oh, wave pool. I, I, yeah. I can imagine,
0: like, if you're doing it where Kelly Slater is, you could build a wave pool next to a photovoltaic farm, right? That could power mm-hmm. some of the stuff. That would be kind of neat. Or you know,
2: um, like, I have a theory is that, and if somebody steals this idea, I'm totally fine with it. Just <laughs> let me surf in the wave pool. It's old golf courses, I ah. think, are really good to make wave pools because you have mm. this big, wide. Piece of land, and you can't really go and like plant and do agriculture on it again. And usually, it has really good irrigation mm-hmm. with it as and well. And a
0: lot of it's a lot of more hilly
2: and mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, so you can use you know the natural curves of the land for your engineering. Oh, look
1: at that! Interesting. Guess we are going to talk to Kelly Slater again.
2: Yeah, but yeah, one one thing I do like to say though about the status of surfing is I think and I, I have to correct. Uh, one of the other surf coaches. So I coach surfing for Kamehameha. I've, I just got back from SSA Nationals with the team. But uh, one of the... Did you guys win, by the way? Let's say we're rebuilding the program. <laughs> okay, that's okay, that's okay. As the only school from Hawaii, I think it was a great experience for our student athletes. And I think for us as coaches, it was good to see where the level of competition is again. Um, and, and to... No. Readapt some of the ways that we're training the kids. But one of the head coaches early in the season was, um, you know, just kind of reveling up the kids and was like, hey, we got to take surfing back for the Hawaiians because, you know, uh, the Brazilians are dominating surfing. Mm-hmm. And then I, I let him finish and I was like, well, you know, Coach Aliga, I think you're right when you talk about men's professional surfing. For sure, the Brazilians are dominating men's professional surfing. But you still got John John. You still have Zeke Lau there you still have Seth Moniz and you had Imai Kalani Devolt so like you know Zeke and Imai are both Native Hawaiians that uh, graduate from Kamehameha and are competing at the highest level mm-hmm. of shortboarding but then at the same time you got Carissa Moore Carissa, yeah. who is just dominating the mm-hmm. women's side gold medalist mm-hmm. multiple world champion Honolulu Bloomfield from the North Shore Native Hawaiian Wahine dominating longboarding And then even on the male longboarding side, um, there's a bunch of great guys coming up, like Canela Stewart, uh, Kai Salas, who has been there for a while. So I think when you talk about the status of surfing, it's important to look at the whole sport for what it is and not just be like we're only focusing on the NFL or like the NBA Mm -hmm. is a good way. Like we only focus on the NBA because as non-basketball players, that's the thing that gets the most exposure. But, you know, when you talk to... NBA players or, like, you know, legit basketball players, they watch WNBA, too, you mm-hmm. know? And so yeah. I, I think it's important always to consider, um, you know, all wave riding disciplines as well as all those that are wave riding.
1: How? Okay. Uh, sorry, I know we're running out of time, but how, I want to know how do you coach a kid to surf? Because if they know how to kind of surf already, do you, do you sit there with binoculars on the beach <laughs> and say, okay, go out, catch a wave, and then they come back and go, well... You could have did this better you could have uh, you know maybe paddled in a little sooner like that kind of stuff
2: sometimes yeah uh, okay. video is a huge part of that and uh. one of the first surf coaches a native Hawaiian to do that kind of uh, video training was Ben Ipa, who I consider a mentor and I was lucky um, I, uh, he was a friend of mine and his son Akilah is a friend of mine who's also a great surf coach and so sometimes you're coaching the kid on mechanics that way a lot of the time you're coaching the kids on recognition of what is scoring potential or a uh, high scoring, wave, especially okay. when you're in California. Like The waves there, because it's a beach break, we were at Salt Creek. It just looks like all these peaks are just kind of coming up, and they all look a little bit taggable. But really, there's only maybe one or two waves in the set that really have a high scoring potential. So we're trying to get the kids to recognize what that Ooh, is. Wow. And so I, I think, you know, on the level of high school, that's what we're really teaching is ocean awareness or to you know, to observe what the ocean is giving you. And then when you're in like California Chandler. too, yeah, it's so different. The mm. the tides, it's so drastic that the wave changes drastically from tide to tide. And um mm. I think when you're talking about, you know, the semi pro level though what they're really coaching the kids who are, you know, rippers at that point, it's having a heat strategy, recognizing where the high scores are, recognizing who's in your heat, and then not melting down in the middle of the whole thing. So a the lot mental, of it the is mental. mental, mental is yeah. yeah, okay. Hmm. But I'll give you a good example. Is like, um, and this was my bad as a coach, and, and like my big learning, this last one was, uh, we had this one kid, Ty Simpson Kane, absolute hammer. He's been surfing since he was in middle school Wow. and um excellent shortboarder excellent longboard and he came from ks maui and joined the team and me just thinking like okay i, I want us to win varsity boy shortboard and i don't want us to win varsity longboard so we're gonna put tie in all the divisions by the time we were at the end of the first day i could tell like he was just like gassed and he was even mm. saying he was, he was tired because it was so hot and he surfed four heats and by his fourth heat oh wow that's the shortboard heat where he really needed the juice you know Didn't he was he was tired already oh. and i was like oh you know what because we shouldn't have even had him surf the longboard we could have put somebody else in so oh interesting yeah i i think even so, those you,
0: competitions are team it's kind of like a mm-hmm. regatta
2: yeah a little bit but more like uh there's just different divisions and so based upon how you do in the different divisions you get a mm, you know a team okay. score but i think in any leadership position that you have while you can be like hey my word is what we're going to do it's also good to be introspective and be able to share with the team i was like hey well you know i could have did this better yeah, uh, sure. as the coach and I, I think that we all have opportunities to learn from it
0: mm. that's cool man that it is cool yeah. all right okay last question this is a question we ask all our guests because this mm. is a technically a music channel if you were stranded on a desert island mm. for the rest of eternity could only take three albums with you to listen to for all time. Mm-hmm. What three albums would you take with you?
2: Okay. Snoop Dogg, Doggy Star. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. Damien Marley, Halfway
0: Tree. All right. That does, that's very consistent with your age. Yeah. You know? right.
2: <laughs> I, and um. Because
0: we're about the same age, so this feels this feels right. <laughs>
2: Uh it's a toss-up between Gabby and Kalapana. Mm. Probably, <laughs> I would probably have to say Gabby.
0: Gabby, keep it, keep bro. Yeah. Okay.
2: Well, I I feel like uh, I I need like one, one Hawaiian. Hawaiian music. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if that's all I have, you know, like right. And that's my, that's what I listen to in the car right there is, mm. hip hop reggae and Hawaiian. <laughs>
0: yeah, It's a good <laughs> that's combo. An interesting mix. Okay, it's a good cool. combo. Well, Ito, thank you so much for being here with us today. Uh, we're gonna break for Patreon. I'm gonna do something, but we'll let we'll let everybody go to what they have to do, and then uh, we'll see you all next week. Thank you so much. See ya.
1: Thank you.